Thank you for joining us today as Dr. Ruth teaches on the significance of obeying God's decrees and God's warning to us to avoid idolatry. Here is Dr. Ruth. Okay, moving right along here. We are proceeding today with Deuteronomy chapters 4. I am very excited that I am learning a lot from the Lord. I hope that the last three chapters have really stirred you to want to learn more about the teachings of God through Moses to pass down to all of us. So uh, get your Bibles, or if you do not have your Bibles, just listen along. So Deuteronomy chapter 4, the gist of this chapter is that we will learn about obedience, obedience, obedience. And we will also learn about God's hatred for idolatry, something that I had discussed over and over throughout the previous books of the Bible. All right, so let us get right into it. Verse 1 out of Deuteronomy chapter 4. Now, Israel, hear the decrees and laws I am about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. Let's pause there. Now you have to remember, Moses is relaying to the new generation the importance of obedience. And already in this first verse, we are learning something about the Lord. That he will not automatically bless us if we do not obey his decrees. So the Israelites' possession of the land and being fruitful was linked to their obedience. Do you think that has changed today? No. God will always honor obedience. So let us take heed to that advice. So we come to verse 2. This is Moses telling the second generation, Do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. So Moses is pre-warning them not to add to the laws of God or subtract from the laws of God. This is so important, okay, because godly wisdom or these laws given to us from God through Moses supersede any human wisdom. God is, <laughs> wow, God is our creator. He knows us the best. Like I have said throughout, when God gives us a commandment in his word, it is because he knows it is best for us. We should not add to it and we should not take away from it. Whenever people try to take away from the word of God or add to the word of God, it leads to heresy. Heresy means false teaching. We have to 
practice the word of God exactly as explained to us by God in his word. And whenever people try to add into the word of God, it always, always leads to bondage, legalism, do's and don'ts, which is what or which was what happened with the Mosaic laws by the time of the Pharisees and the Sadducees during uh, the gospel era, Jesus had the toughest time with the religious leaders because they had added so much into the Mosaic law that they were keeping people in bondage. And Jesus had to really rebuke them today in the body of Christ. There are churches, unfortunately, leaders, unfortunately, and other Christians, unfortunately, that add to the word of God or words of God, rather, and as a result of that, it leads to bondage for others. So we should not do that. And then also, if you subtract from the word of God, it is incomplete. So knowing and practicing the word of God exactly as written in the Bible is God's will for us. And we are learning that right here in verse 2. Which is why I am so glad you are listening to this podcast. And that is what I try to do. That is what I am committed to doing. That is what I am doing through the strengthening of the Holy Spirit to teach you the Word of God within the confines of the Word of God. And all I do is use my own examples or use examples of others as a minister to help you to better understand the Word of God, which is why I stay on the Word of God. I stay within the, the Bible. I go from verse to verse so you can get a contextual understanding of the Word of God because we cannot afford to add or subtract from the Word of God. And there is a basic principle in Bible interpretation that when we come to challenging verses or books in the Bible that we don't quite get a fuller revelation, we should leave it alone and trust God. Okay? When God is silent, we have to be silent. When God speaks as he has already spoken through his word, we have to. Take his word for what it is and trust the Holy Spirit and put it to practice. So we should never, never add to the word of God or subtract from the word of God because that will bring a bondage into our lives and the enemy will use that to manipulate us. So we have to take heed to that advice. Moving to verse 3. <clears throat> Uh, Moses is telling them, you saw with your own eyes what the Lord did at Balpo. Moses is referring to that teaching I did in the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 25, where the Moabite women enticed the Israelite men and the Israelite men committed idolatry and the Israelite men yoked with them and they started worshiping their idols and the Lord was really angry. And on that day, 24,000 Israelites died. So Moses is using that example to remind this new generation that you saw this with your own eyes. Even though you were children, you remember. 
Moses is bringing it to their remembrance that you remember how the anger of the Lord was manifested on that day. And Moses went on to say, The Lord your God destroyed from among you everyone who followed the Baal of Paul, verse 4, but all of you who held fast to the Lord your God are still alive today. Okay, like I had just explained. Verse 5, See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. So Moses is telling this new generation Israelites that, listen, I have taught you the laws and decrees or the commandments that God gave to me. You practice exactly the commandments I have taught you. So it will go well with you when you get into the promised land. Again, highlighting how when we practice the word of God, which is the only truth there is, it will go well with us. You know that, right? So are you practicing it? Hmm. Only you can answer that question. So Moses went on to verse 6 to tell them, Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. So true, even today as Christians, when we apply godly wisdom into our lives, the unbelievers can see that. And just by the unbelievers seeing that, that will attract them to the God we serve. Because only the, the wisdom of God is real. Everything else is counterfeit. Okay? The wisdom of this world is useless compared to godly wisdom. We are told that throughout the scriptures and even the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, told that to the Christians in Corinth. Okay? Um, very powerful. We come to verse 7. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? So Moses is reminding the Israelites that there is no other nation on earth that has the true living God as you people have. That when you pray to the true living God, he answers that is still applicable, applicable to us Christians. We serve a true living God who is always present, who always hears our plea and our prayers in the name of Jesus. Verse 8, And what other nation is so great as to, as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? Verse 9, only be careful and watch yourself closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. This is powerful. Let me pause here. What Moses is saying here, oh my goodness, this is awesome. 
So what Moses is doing here is significant. Moses is reminding the nation of Israel that they are a chosen, unique people. That the true living God has revealed himself only to them. They had seen the glory of God. They saw with their own eyes the manifestation of God in a theophany. Remember we talked about that? So Moses is reminding this second generation about their unique calling by the only true living God to reflect his goodness. And this is still applicable to us today. God is telling each of us today as New Testament believers that our lifestyles, our mannerisms, our work ethics, our relationships should all reflect his qualities so that the unbelievers can see God through us, thereby attracting them to his kingdom. This is so powerful. And then Moses also went on to explain to the Israelites that they have the responsibility of teaching their children and great-great-grandchildren about the laws of God. This is important because today we have parents who want to, to rely on the school system or the churches or the pastor to teach their children God's decrees. But here we see Moses telling the Israelites, okay, that they should teach their children and then their great-great-grandchildren the loss of God, so that it may go well with them. So we have this same responsibility to teach the little ones, to teach our children and our great-great-grandchildren the loss of God. So God is telling us today that as parents, as leaders, as brothers and sisters, our primary responsibility is to teach the younger generation the ways of God, the decrees of God, we should not rely on outsiders, i.e. the school systems, okay, the, the churches to, to teach our children. Because how do we know that the school system, obviously the school system is not going to teach them about the true living God of the Bible, so you might as well just forget the school system totally. But let's talk about the body of Christ. How do you even know that that pastor or that teacher or that church is truly upholding godly principles as outlined in the Bible? So you as a parent, as a brother, as a sister, your responsibility is to teach the younger ones in your home before they even get to the age where they interact with others in the churches, in the schools, Okay, so that is our responsibility, highly, highly recommended here by Moses as he received that revelation from God. So we should heed that advice. So Moses went on now 
Continuing here in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 10, Moses is going to bring to their remembrance the fact that the Lord had appeared to them in a theophany. And um, based on that remembrance, he would teach them how they should not create an image of God. So let us take a closer look at these verses. Verse 10, remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, when he said to me, assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. Again, we see the Lord laying the responsibility to the parents to teach their children his ways. Boy, and this is not just teaching by explaining. This also includes teaching by example. That is actually most significant. We have to live godly lives in front of our children so they can see God in us. Because we can talk all we want, but if we don't live it, if we don't practice it, it's useless, okay? So living a godly lifestyle in front of your children, great-grandchildren, is most paramount than just mere talking. Okay, verse 11. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while it blazed with fire to the very heavens with black clouds and deep darkness. Verse 12. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. So Moses is reminding this second generation Israelites that remember, okay, at Horeb, when you heard the audible voice of God, he is reminding them. Verse uh, 13, even before I go into verse 13, Moses also reminded them about the theophany, how God manifested to them in a theophany fire. And I had explained a theophany before. For those of you who have not listened to my previous teachings, a theophany is when the invisible God manifests to us in a visible, tangible manner such as in a fire or in a cloud, in a way that we can discern his presence, okay? So again, the invisible God manifesting in a physical, tangible manner so we can physically see. So we saw um, how we talked about this in the book of Exodus, how God manifested in the fire, in the burning bush. So here we see Moses also saying the Lord had manifested himself in a theophany, so the Israelites should remember that. So coming to verse 13, he declared to you his covenant, the Ten Commandments, which he commanded you to follow and then wrote them on two stone tablets. Powerful. How the Ten Commandments were actually supernaturally handed to Moses from God. This is powerful. Even though we went over this in the book of Exodus, this is amazing how 
God, these, these laws written in the Ten Commandments came from God who created us. No, if you were just to go back and study the Ten Commandments, which I believe moving forward in this book of Deuteronomy, we will go over the Ten Commandments again uh, briefly. You will come to the conclusion that only God, only the supernatural wisdom of God can come up <laughs> with such decrees to help guide his children. So Moses is reiterating that, hey, I did not just come up with these Ten Commandments. These commandments came from God to me, to you, in two stones of tablets right there. This is really authenticating the scripture as the inspired, infallible word of God right here. Okay, so Moses is warning them, you saw the theophany of God. You heard his audible voice. I brought the commandments to you. And now in verse 14, Moses went on to tell them, and the Lord directed me at that time to teach you the decrees and laws you are to follow in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So Moses just, what Moses is doing thus far is just reiterating the significance of the word of God. Boy, if you can get this, for all of you who are struggling in this area, or for really all of you, I have a brand new book that just came out. Can I trust the Bible as God's word? How do I know? What is the evidence? That is the title of the book. I recommend you contact us and get that book. Because you see, if you don't believe in your heart for yourself that the teachings in the Bible, all these teachings are from God, only God. There is only one God, the true living God of the heavens and the earth. That is it. So if you do not have a firm belief yourself that the words in the Bible are truly inspired by God, you will struggle to believe it. And number two, you will struggle to put it to practice and you won't see godly results. No matter how you love God, you cannot separate the word of God from God. God is his word. We are told in the New Testament, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word became flesh and dwell among us. I am paraphrasing that scripture. That is out of the gospel of uh, John chapter 1. Jesus Christ was the word of God that became flesh and bones. He became a human being. Jesus Christ was the living word of God. Okay, when, you, when, when people saw Jesus Christ during his ministry on this earth, they saw the word of God in operation. So here we see Moses highlighting the significance of the word of God, telling the second generation Israelites, take the word of God seriously, obey the word of God, teach the word of God to your children. That is the only way you will prosper when you go to the land 
of Canaan, the land that you are going to inherit. This is amazing because God had already promised this land to them. But we see God telling them that in order for them to succeed and inherit that promise, they have to obey his decrees. Friend, that is still applicable to us today. God is telling us that you have the full counsel, those of us who are true followers of Christ, New Testament believers. We have the word of God, all of it, from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation. God is still telling us today that it is only when we practice his word, when we believe in his decrees as written all over the Bible, when we put it to practice by faith, that is when we will see godly results in our lives. That is when we can glorify him through our lifestyles. The prerequisite to that, you must believe in the word of God as the only inspired, the only infallible word of God. The same principle we see here. Okay, so verse 14, uh, like I said earlier, Moses went on to say that God gave the law and then God asked him, Moses, to teach the Israelites. Okay, moving on here, verses 15 all the way to, let's see, um, verse 24 will really highlight God's dislike or hatred for idolatry. So let's pick it up here. Moses will go on to tell them that you had the voice of God. You did not see any physical form. You did not see any, any uh, physical legs or arms of God. So you cannot create an image to represent God. So let's proceed to learn more. That is what Moses, Moses is about to tell them. In this next few verses, verse 15, you saw no form of any kind the day the Lord spoke to you at Oreb out of the fire. I already explained that. Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully, verse 16, so that you do not become corrupt and make for yourselves an idol, an image of any shape, whether formed like a man or a woman. Verse 17, or like any animal on earth or any bird that flies in the air. Verse 18, or like any creature that moves along the ground or, or any fish in the waters below. So Moses went on to remind these people that you heard the voice of God. You did not see any form. So you should not create an image to represent God. Okay? And then uh, verses 19 all the way to uh, verse 20, Moses went on to also tell the Israelites that they should not idolize uh, nature. They should not idolize the skies, the stars. Essentially, they should not bow down and worship these things as God. So powerful. And the Apostle Paul teaches us out of the book of Romans, chapter 1, that there are people today 
truly, these people existed during the day or during the time when the Apostle Paul wrote his epistles, but those people still exist today. Which people am I referring to? I am referring to the people who worship God's creation. They worship the sun, the moon, the stars. They idolize these things. Okay? They, they, they worship the creation rather than worshiping the creator who is God. So that is what, what Moses is pre-warning the Israelites that they should not worship the moon, the skies, just like the Egyptians or the other pagan nations did. Verse 21, And uh, the Lord was angry with me because of you, and he solemnly swore I would not cross the Jordan and enter the good land. So Moses went on to talk. Boy, Moses was really troubled by this. He just kept saying it over and over, how because of the Israelites, uh, God uh, uh, prevented him from entering the promised land. So he is going on lamenting there, which, which was true. I had already explained that in the preceding chapters. Verse 22, Moses went on to say that uh, the Lord had told him he, he would die before crossing the Jordan. And we come to verse 23. Be careful not to forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you. Do not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything the Lord your God has forbidden. Let's go back. Before I, I, I teach on that, let's actually go back and also look at Verse 9. Let's go back to verse 9. I am still on Deuteronomy chapter 4. I want to make a link between uh, verse 9 and verse 23. Let me read verse 9 again before I make that link. Only be careful, this is verse 9, and watch yourself closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Now we come to verse twenty. Three, we hear Moses tell him then again, be careful not to forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you. This is so powerful. What Moses is doing here is what I had explained over and over in the books of Leviticus and Numbers, the importance of memory. Remember, I talked about this in the books of Leviticus and Numbers, how the Lord had divinely ordained certain holidays for the Jews to celebrate. I talked about the importance of memory. You know, when we fail to keep a spiritual diary or when we fail to recall or to remember the goodness of God in our lives on a daily basis, there is a human tendency for the mind to shift to think about other earthly cares and worries. So we need to really take heed to, to make a deliberate effort to remind ourselves of the presence of God in our lives and his, his blessings, his miracles in our lives on a daily basis. And I even used the example in the book of Numbers how in my own life at the end of each day, I reflect on, on my day and I give God thanks. And in times of trouble, 
when I'm really going through a hard time, I recall the blessings of God in my life in the past, how God had delivered me from prior trials and tribulations. That alone serves as an antidote for me to overcome whatever challenges I may be facing on any given day. It is the same principle that Moses is teaching here in verse 9 and reiterating in verse 23. We should never, never forget, no matter how bad things get in our lives, that as Christians, at the end of the day, we are overcomers. At the end of the day, the enemy has been scattered. At the end of the day, it will always, always work out. Okay, for our benefit, that is out of Romans 8, 28 through 29. All things will always work out. No matter how bad things may seem, we should not forget to always remember that God is always with us. We should not forget that God has revealed himself to us in his word. This is so powerful. Do not let your mind delve into fear, wonder, trying to figure out things. Trust the Lord. So the the importance of memory is really being stressed here by Moses. So I wanted to really highlight the link between those two verses. And uh, Moses went on to uh, remind them not to forget the covenant that the Lord has with them. That is the Ten Commandments. And if you recall, the, a covenant just means a mutual agreement between two people. In this case, it was between the nation of Israel and the Lord, and God is faithful. In a covenant relationship, each party must meet that end of the bargain for that covenant to be fully effective, which is why the Lord kept saying, obey me, obey me, because God is faithful, but his children are unfaithful. And when we don't obey the covenant that the Lord has with us, we will not see the blessings. We will not see the result. So Moses went on to advise them to be faithful to the covenant. Just like today, we have to be faithful to the covenant that we have with God through Christ. And the covenant includes all of the teachings in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. God is faithful. God will always keep his end of the bargain. It's us, his children, who are unfaithful. So we need to learn to be faithful and put God's practices, put God's words, rather, put his words to practices in order to see the full benefit of the covenant materialize in our lives. So that is what Moses went on to advise them. And today Moses is still teaching us to do likewise. Verse 24, Moses went on to explain to them that they should not um, practice idolatry. And then in, in that context of warning them not to engage in any form of idolatry, Moses went on to say in verse 24, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. So here we see Moses using the illustration of a fire to describe uh, 
God's uh, type of jealousy. Let's talk about this here for a minute. If you've been listening to me again, I have talked about what idolatry means. All that means in summary is that when you choose to elevate somebody else or anything else in your life above and beyond God, for some people, they idolize their, their children. They get up every morning. They are consumed by where their children are, what they are doing. They don't even think about God. For others, their idols are wealth. Their wealth, they are too rich. They are consumed every moment of the living day, thinking about money, money, money. For others, it is relationships with their spouses. So today, those are all modern-day idols. And if we allow anything else to rule and dominate our lives more than the true living God, this warning from Moses to the Israelites pertain to you. Because God is jealous. God does not want anything to come before him. And this jealousy here is a good jealousy. A lot of times the word jealousy has a negative connotation. But in this context, it's a good connotation. Think about a married couple. If you are married, you would have a healthy jealousy towards your spouse, meaning you would not want your spouse to cheat on you, correct? I'm sure you would say yes. You would not want your spouse to spend all his money with his friends, right? I'm sure you would say yes. Well, that would be a healthy jealousy towards your spouse because you want your spouse to truly spend that money with you. You don't want your spouse to, to share his love for you with somebody else. Likewise, this jealousy is a good godly jealousy. God who created us loves us so much that he cares so much for us. He does not want to see us deviate. He does not want to see us idolizing, worshiping things that cannot give us the true meaning and purpose in life. God does not want us to idolize our children, our marriages, because you will not find any true lasting satisfaction from any earthly relationships. I'm sorry. The way God has created us, <laughs> if you do not have a true connection, a true meaningful relationship with the true living God, nothing else in your life will make sense. And God knows that. So God loves you so much that God is saying that do not put any other thing in front of me. If you do that, you will not have any lasting joy, peace, or satisfaction. And he knows you would suffer. So he does not want you to suffer. So he is telling you he has a godly jealousy towards you because he loves you. He doesn't want to see you in pain and suffering because that is the outcome when you idolize your career, when you idolize earthly relationships, when you idolize money, 
the outcome is pain and suffering. And God does not want to see you go through that. So that is what this is talking about. He has a healthy jealousy for you. He wants to protect you from all sorts of pain and suffering that you would endure if you idolize anybody else besides him. But once you truly only idolize the true living God, who truly should be idolized because he's your creator, when you put God first in everything you do, all other earthly relationships would turn out correctly. You would have satisfaction in all other earthly relationships. But God has to be first, then all other earthly relationships or careers come second. And then you truly would then enjoy everything else in life once God is number one. So that is a principle there. Moving here now to verse 26. This is so powerful, uh, verse 20. Uh, not verse 24 rather verse 24 25 and even 26 are really interesting verses because Moses is going to teach us a principle here so let us uh, look at what Moses is telling these Israelites which also pertain to us verse 25 I am still in Deuteronomy chapter 4 after you have had children and grandchildren and have lived in the land a long time, if you then become corrupt and make any kind of idol, doing evil in the eyes of the Lord your God and arousing his anger, verse 26, I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you this day that you will quickly perish from the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. This is powerful because Moses is pre-warning them that when you get into the promised land and you become successful there, when you possess the land and you have children of your own, then you become corrupt. God is not going to take that lightly. So the principle here, which we will learn further as we get into this uh, text, is that success Please listen carefully. Success has a potential to lead us astray if we are not careful. You see, because most human beings, as most of you would agree, I'm sure, would seek the face of God when they are struggling with poverty, problems. Most people will go to the Lord because they want an answer. On the other hand, when people become so successful. When people are rich, guess what? Some of them, they are like, ah, I have no need for God because they have everything that they perceive they want, which is incorrect. Which is why Jesus said in the Gospels that it is difficult for, for the rich people to get into the kingdom of God because they are blinded by their wealth. And as such, they incorrectly conclude that they do not need God. But as we know, earthly things, like I had just been talking about, money, success, can never give us any kind of lasting success or joy or peace that we need 
from the true living God. So Moses is saying, pre-warning the Israelites that when you get into the promised land and you become successful, be careful that you don't forget God. Boy, this one is still applies to us today. When God answers that prayer, when God brings home that wayward child, when God brings that husband into our lives, we should not forget and we should not stop seeking God. That would be bad, okay? So going to verse 27, Moses just went on to tell them that if they get into the promise land and then they forsake God, God would also forsake them. He would scatter them uh, all over the place. Um, verse 28, Moses is telling them and warning them that they should not go there and worship man-made gods made of wood and stones, which cannot hear, eat, or smell. And then Moses is telling them in verse 29 that, like he said in verse 26, that today he is placing or he is calling heavens, the heavens, and the earth as a witness that if these Israelites get into the promised land and they do these bad or evil things, if they get in, into the promised land and they turn against the Lord, boy, he is here to tell them that they're going to regret it. But if they come to the Lord and seek his face, God would, God would hear their prayer and God would answer their prayer and God would forgive them. Isn't that awesome? Let's take a look at verse 29 where Moses said that. But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. You see, Moses is already warning them. If you go there and you mess up, but if you repent and you start to seek God, truthfully, God will answer. God is a forgiving God. Wow. Mm. Verse 30. When you are in distress and all these things have happened to you, then in later days you will return to the Lord your God and obey him. So Moses is actually prophesying here that when you go there and you forsake the Lord because you become prosperous, but when you come back and, and you, you plead to the Lord, he will accept you if you obey him. Hmm. Verse 31, Moses uh, concluded that section with what I have been saying. Moses said in verse 31, For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon or destroy you or forget the covenant with your ancestors, which he confirmed to them by oath. There we go. Because of God's faithfulness, he would not abandon them even after they forsake him. But if they come back, he will accept. Boy, that is hopeful for all of us today. That God is forgiving. Even though we reap consequences of bad actions. But once people are willing to truthfully repent and come to the Lord and are then willing to obey the Lord, the Lord 
would forgive them and restore fellowship with them. That is hopeful. Okay, so the rest of uh, these verses, verses 32, all the way to 38, talks, is talking about the Lord is God, reminding the Israelites that there is only one God for them to worship. This is important because these people came from the Egyptian culture where they practiced polytheism, meaning they worshipped multiple gods. And now they are heading into Canaan, the promised land, and those pagan nations there also practiced polytheism. So God had to speak through Moses to pre-warn the Israelites again and again, the second generation, that there is only one God. Okay, they should not engage in polytheism. So let us take a look at some of these verses. Verse 32. Ask now about the former days long before your time from the day God created human beings on the earth. Ask from one end of the heavens to another. Has anything so great as this ever happened or has anything like it ever been heard of? Verse 33, has any other people heard the voice of God speaking out of fire as you have and lived? Wow, this is amazing. Moses is really reminding these people that, listen, since the creation of the universe, is there another nation that can say they have heard the audible voice of God like you have? Wow. Mm. Just like today, God is telling us. Are there any other set of people that, that, that can say that their God died on that cross and was raised from the dead and is alive today? Only us true Christians can say that. This is the same principle. Do you see the connection here? Powerful. Okay. Okay, so uh, verses uh, 34 went on to, uh, Moses went on to remind them that no other nation on the, face of, on the face of the earth had seen the awesome deeds and the miraculous works and, and the mighty hand of God except them, the Israelites. We come to verse 35. Moses is saying that you were shown all these things so that you might know that the Lord is God. Besides him, there is no other. Powerful. So Moses is telling them that God manifested his miracles in your presence so that you can know that there is only one living God, the God of the nation of Israel. So true, just like today. Only Jesus Christ. God himself in the flesh rose from the dead. No other so-called self-proclaimed man-made religion today can say that their God with a small g rose from the dead. Only us true believers can boast that our God is alive, seated at the right hand of God. We have no excuse but to obey God because he has 
manifested himself to us in ways that are undeniable. We have no excuse but to obey God, just like Moses was telling this second generation Israelites that they had no excuse. There was nothing else. God had done it all for them. Now they had to obey. All right. So those verses, 35, Moses went on to say, God manifested his, his deeds uh, to them. Verse 36, the same thing, God, uh, Moses went on to say, from heaven, he made you hear his voice to discipline you. Again, God manifested himself to them in a theophany as a way to discipline them so they could have reverential fear and respect for him that he is real. He is alive. He is not like the pagan gods from Egypt where they came from. And Moses went on to say, on the earth he has shown his great fire and they heard his words. Verse 37, Moses went on to tell them that because uh, of the Love that God had for their ancestors. He is referring to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He brought them out of Egypt. Okay. In verse 38, Moses uh, went on to say that God kept his covenant vow with the ancestors. That he drove out other nations before them. He favored them. Essentially, that is what Moses is saying. Then we come to verse 39. He said, acknowledge and take to heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth below. There is no other. Oh, so true. I like the way this Moses was giving a speech of a lifetime. Boy, he was using history, reminding them that they had heard the voice of God. They had seen his miraculous works. He is a God of I am. He is a God that had been present with them. There is no other God. Telling them to keep that in the forefront of their minds as they get into the promised land. They should never forget. They should not be tempted into all the idolatry worship in the promised land, the polytheism. The multiple gods, they should not do that because there is just one God who had manifested to them. Verse 40, keep his decrees and commands which I am giving you today so that it may go well with you and your children after you and that you might live long in the land the Lord your God gives you for all time. Again, Moses is linking Obedience to prosperity in the land where they were going to go possess and that is still applicable to us today. We can say we love God all we want. If we don't obey him, we won't prosper spiritually or in any other area in our lives. So we come to verse 41. Verses 41 through 43, we talk about the cities of refuge. We cover that in Numbers chapters uh, 35, verses 6 through 34. So you can go back and re-listen to Numbers chapter 35. Moses just went on to talk about the 
cities of uh, refuge which were set apart for all those who were accused. They were to go there before they were try, tried, rather. Now, in verse 43, we actually uh, have the names of these cities, something we did not have in the book of Numbers. So let's take a look at that. Verse 43, the cities were these, Abiza in the uh, wilderness plateau for the Reubenites, Ramoth in Gilead uh, for the Gediads, and Golan in Bashan for the uh, uh, Menasite. So those were the names of the cities of refuge that were uh, provided or allocated on the east side of the Jordan for those three tribes that had chosen to settle there before they crossed into the promised land. And uh, we talked about the significance of the cities of refuge. But a really interesting way to also look at the cities of refuge in application to our lives today is like these cities of refuge represent like the presence of Christ in the midst of the Israelites that when somebody is accused, okay, before they are actually tried, they would run to these cities of refuge where they are refuged, where they are protected against the avenger for a season, okay, until they are tried. Or if they committed a crime, like in this case, if they had killed a person unintentionally, it was not premeditated, they ran to these cities of refuge that offered protection, protected and, and cared for them, that were preventing others to kill them. Just like today, when we are in trouble, we run to Jesus Christ to protect us, okay, to care for us. So that is a good comparison there. Although uh, God will never, never accept any kind of murder, but there are people who are truly accused of committing murder falsely. And there are those who commit Murder unintentionally, i.e. during self-defense. These people run to Christ who provides the refuge to protect them until they are truthfully tried in the court of law. So that is a good comparison there. I wanted to highlight that there for you. So we come to verse 44. Verse uh, 44 reads, This is the law Moses set before the Israelites. Verse 45, These are the stipulations, decrees, and laws Moses gave, the, gave them when they came out of Egypt. So these verses and the rest of the verses all the way to the end of this chapter, which is verse 48, I went on to talk more about the laws that Moses uh, gave them. And then he talked about in verse 46 there, Moses also talked about Amorites and how through the strength of God, the Israelites overcame the Amorites. We talked about that already. And then in verse 47, Moses also went to remind them that through the strength of God, they overcame Og, king of Basham. We talked about that already. And then they possessed their land. 
So the rest of those verses are just explaining that, which we had already covered. So that brings us to the end of chapter 4, with the biggest uh, lessons there being obedience to God fosters his blessings in our lives. Friend, if you have not yet blessed us with a donation, I just want to ask you personally, would you consider helping us with a one-time donation so we can produce more Bible teachings like this and reach many, many more people? And for all of you who have already blessed us with a donation, we say thank you. And please remember, for more of an impact, would you consider becoming a Christ-centered partner with us? All that means is that you will join hands with us and the Lord, and you will support us regularly with your prayer and your financial giving. And in return, we will also bless you back. And obviously, God, who is a giver, will bless you back abundantly, exceedingly, and you will be making a difference in the lives of hundreds and thousands of others with your financial giving. To become a Christ-centered partner, you can visit our website, drruthtanya.org, and learn more about that. So, before I leave, I just want to say one more time, if the Lord has put it in your heart to give, please don't ignore that. God will bless you back. Please take a step of faith. Visit our website today, drruthtanya.org tiny.org slash donate. It is a safe and secure website. Make a one-time donation as you are led by the Lord or consider becoming a partner. And I just want to say thank you in advance for doing so. And I know that God in his faithfulness will bless you back abundantly, exceedingly. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.